Welcome to the AI Hustle Podcast, the podcast where we break down the latest in AI news, tools, and interview experts helping you hustle and do more using AI. If you've been following the podcast for a while, you'll know that over the last six months, I've been working on a stealth AI startup. Of the hundreds of projects I've covered, this is the one that I believe has the greatest potential. So today I'm excited to announce AI Box. AI Box is a no-code AI app building platform paired with the App Store for AI that lets you monetize your AI tools. The platform lets you build apps by linking together AI models like ChatGPT, MidJourney, and Eleven Labs eventually will integrate with software like Gmail, Trello, and Salesforce so you can use AI to automate every function in your organization. To get notified when we launch and be one of the first to build on the platform, you can join the waitlist at AIbox.ai. The link is in the show notes. We are currently raising a seed round of funding. If you're an investor that is focused on disruptive tech, I'd love to tell you more about the platform. You can reach out to me at jaden at AIbox.ai. I'll leave that email in the show notes. Welcome to the AI Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Schaefer. Today on the podcast, we have the pleasure of being joined by Bradley Metrock, who is the CEO of Project Voice, which provides content and community around conversational AI, and a general partner of Project Voice Capital Partners, which is a venture capital fund which invests in top-tier early-stage conversational AI startups. Project Voice's annual conference takes place every year in April in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and it's actually known as the one of the most influential events um, on the calendar for conversational AI companies and investors. Super happy to have you on the show today, Bradley. Welcome to AI Chat. Jaden, you killed that. Uh, I, need, I need you to follow me around and introduce me everywhere. It's honored to be here. Well, you've done some pretty cool things. Um, you know, what I would love to kind of kick this off with is, you know, I give a, a brief intro, but tell us a little bit about how you got started with Project Voice, um, how you got started with Project Voice Capital Partners. Was that like an extension after the fact or before? What was the, what's the kind of story and journey to, to you know, being CEO and, and working on these two different spaces? Yeah, um, you know, I, I'm just a guy, you know, I'm a business guy. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a PhD. Uh, I'm just somebody who around circa 2015 saw Amazon Alexa coming to the fore and became very intrigued um, and wanted to learn as much as I could about the idea of speaking to technology. Okay. And uh, it was at that point that I started learning as much as I could. I started meeting as many people as I could and um, it started my podcast this week in voice in 2017 which is in season nine that amazing yeah we've had a lot of great guests mark cuban's probably been our biggest but who's who of those working in conversational ai uh, along the way i started this week in voice vip which is a Substack newsletter that 27,000 people uh receive and a few of them occasionally read <laughs> um and uh you know that talking about conversational ai topics and companies the conference uh, Project Voice's annual conference has been around since 2016 and has been very influential in, in that time. And uh, so all of these things have gone into uh, accelerating the adoption of conversational AI, not just voice, but text and chat as well. This idea of using our natural language to engage uh, and interact with the technological world around us. And uh, a couple of years ago, as a result of the conference, I had, had the privilege to meet Mark Layden, who's the original venture capitalist in the conversational AI world. And uh, he had a predecessor fund called Voice Punch, okay. which made 
firm investments. And uh, he learned that I was looking at the market wanting to start a fund. He was in the process of thinking about starting a second fund. And so we, we decided, hey, let's team up. And uh, that's what we did. And Project Voice Capital Partners is the result of that, which deploys capital uh, to what we think are top tier uh, conversational AI companies and startups uh, on a quarterly basis. So, you know, the, the answer to your question is like anything else. You put one foot in front of another, you do work, do, get your work in on a daily basis, trying to improve your own understanding and network. And ultimately, uh, you know, you can, you can get somewhere and wherever we are, that's how we got there. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, Tell me a little bit more about Project Voice, what that entails. Is that just kind of like the the name of your conference and podcast like group? Is there is there more to it? What what what's kind of in under that? Yeah, it's that's uh it encompasses the podcast, all the content, and it encompasses the conference. So prior to COVID, we we had a bunch of events all over the country. Okay. Uh we had a big healthcare event in Boston. We had a big car event in uh San Jose. Uh, that also went to Detroit, uh, different events that were broken out by verticals that were in different parts of the country. We've now reduced that to just one event, our annual conference. Okay. So uh, there used to be a lot more under the roof, but uh, it's helpful just to think about that as podcast, newsletter, conference, in terms gotcha. of that, as well as uh, decent amount of consulting work. Um, and then the fund is a separate entity, uh, uh, on its own. Okay. Very cool. Well, I'd love to dive into that a little bit more, but I did have one question. You, you piqued my interest. You said you had Mark Cuban on your podcast. How did you, how did you score that? How did you get in contact with him? Uh, you know, he, Mark, um, one of his, uh, very positive attributes is that he is interested in technology. Uh, he, he's a proud early adopter. Okay. Uh, yeah, for sure. Technology. And he, uh, you can see that over the course of his career, uh, in numerous ways. And with Alexa, just like it captivated me, uh, it captivated him. And, uh, he did some interviews with Amazon themselves. He was in other like media outlets talking about Alexa. And I thought, you know what? I need to have this guy on the show. And that, that resulted in not one, but two appearances. I had him back on a couple of years later. Uh, and he was part of a conference we did as well and uh, just cultivated a, a, a good relationship with them. Uh, very friendly guy, very obviously super smart. Very, very cool. Okay, so something, you know, listening to you talk about some of the things you're interested in and focused on, a question I have, and I'm sure a lot of people would have is, you know, how have you kind of seen this AI landscape shift since you since you started this back in 2015? Obviously, there's been some big advancements. I mean, Alexa alone has announced that they're almost completely scrapping what they have and they're rebuilding it with something more like ChatGPT, sort of like a an AI language thing. What are some of the other shifts uh, that you've seen since since you've started? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, back when Alexa came into the mainstream consciousness, uh, 2015, 2016 in there, uh, and then, you know, a year or two after that, really selling all, all, you know, echoes and echoes in everybody's house and Alexa, you know, on, on everybody's mind. It was in that era where it was, uh, you know, you had business looking at that saying, what is it we're exactly supposed to do with this? First of all, it's Amazon. It's a 
on a consumer level, a company that a lot of people place trust in mm-hmm. uh, on a daily basis. But from a corporate point of view, uh, really doesn't cultivate the same sort of warm, fuzzy feeling, right? Right. So there, that's strike one and strike two. Uh, but a lot of what Amazon did at constructing that, how that ecosystem worked, did not make it as easy as perhaps they could have to enable businesses, all sorts of businesses, uh, to to create the experiences that would be housed under that roof. Okay. And uh, there was some successes that you saw, um, like, for example, Batman versus Superman, random example. But when that movie came out, it had a very successful, incredibly, surprisingly successful Alexa skill, which is the nomenclature for an experience uh, in Alexa, an app for Alexa, uh, very successful app that was in that ecosystem. Others, uh, some bigger brands, put a lot of money into it and didn't see nearly the success. Okay. So it was hit uh, with that ecosystem. And now to see what you just described, that, that Amazon has gone back to the drawing board and they said, okay, uh, we have this existing, it's not quite tearing it down to the stud, so to speak, but it, it's, it's, we've got this existing skeleton. Mm-hmm. How do we add, how do we use generative AI to add more musculature to what we're trying to do and accomplish? And I think that, uh, I mean, one of the top stories I'm watching for between now and the end of 2024 is the the rise once again of the Alexa ecosystem because I think that it's going to be profound. Um, you, the other sort of tr- so that's one major trend line. I, okay. I I it's simple in sort of answering your question in that back then the the it was very unclear how all of this conversational AI would lead to business outcomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has had a sense, hey, we need to experiment and keep one toe in the water, but uh, it doesn't feel like the time has come. Now, there's no question that the time has come. And part of that, it's not so much ChatGPT. It's more of, at the beginning of the pandemic period, a lot of conversational AI solutions were implemented into contact centers because uh, it's easy to forget how transformative that period was, uh, but everybody's at home calls flooding into businesses nonstop. How are we going to deal with this? Conversational AI was the answer. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and that was the first moment where it became crystal clear unambiguously that beyond debate, the conversational AI can lead to a positive in the black ROI for almost any type of business. Yeah. And it's only progressed from there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's so fascinating to see some of those shifts and changes, and uh, obviously it's been really big. One question I would I would have for you, right? Because you kind of have these these two sides. You have kind of like the the uh, the conference and podcasts and media kind of side, and then of course you have the venture fund side. Um, based off of you know your unique position there, what are some interesting or exciting startups you've been seeing in the space lately um, from from the venture side that are you know getting you excited about AI and what's happening there? You know, that's a great question too. So I, um, we're, we're seeing, um, I mean, I think where I would start the answer to that question is we love 
the vertical specialization mm. of conversational AI. Yeah. So don't sit here and tell me in a pitch that, oh, we've got this core capability and we're going to go into banking. We're going to roll into healthcare. We're going to roll into hotels. We're going to go into media and entertainment. We're going to conquer it all. Mm. Stop it. Yeah, that's been, you know, like I stopped listening to that two words out of your mouth. And trust me, that's been tried. Yeah, yeah. Where where the money is at, it's as I say, riches and niches. Yeah, it's it's uh, the the nature of this technology is it's so complex. It's so human that the only way you have a chance to be successful is to dive into a specific niche. And for example, we in in the second quarter of this year, we we invested in a company that is specifically applying conversational AI into the financial services, uh, investment banking, like private banking space. Yeah. Okay. And uh, using using a lot of different tools to make it easier to manage customer service, broadly speaking. Uh, in that specific context, yet could their tools be useful to help manage corporate prisons? Sure, they could, mm-hmm. but they're not because they're focused on this one area, and that discipline is really important for this technology, in our opinion today. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I think that's some really great uh, advice, especially for founders listening today. And you know, another question. So obviously, you have this. Um, you know, you really are looking people at people that are going into specific niches and what they're doing. What are some other factors that you consider important when you're making investments and looking at these AI companies? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's it's key, and I tell you, a big one is uh, I'll phrase this as a ethical framework. Okay. For the intermediate term, so right now we're in a very strange time where the technology has moved so quickly um, in many aspects relative to these startups that um, regulation regulation usually lags, right? Yeah, is usually play catch up, but not, not like this. So the government's way behind and the government's running at maximum speed that it feels like we've never even like seen them try to run at this speed before to get caught up on AI policy making. Yeah. It, it creates a lot of volatility. It creates a lot of uncertainty. And with what you look for with startups and, and the entrepreneurs who lead them is uh, it's okay to not have the answer because no one knows what regulation is going to come down the pike and what it's all going to end up meeting, but you better be studying it and it better be very clear that you have um, at least a base, a reasonable baseline of knowledge on this front mm-hmm. because your, your entire company could cease to exist should the ball bounce one way or the other, or it could be the entire opposite where you now have a tremendous new opportunity if something is to shake out in a certain way uh, or not. So uh, ethics, policymaking, how how a startup looks at that today um, is uh, more, more important than usual. Okay. Yeah, definitely think that is uh, an important thing to look at as it has a really massive impact 
Um, another question I'd be curious to hear your opinion and thoughts on, right? You're you're in the AI space and you're in like the, this kind of voice space. Obviously, the mixing of those two, a really powerful use case a lot of people talk about um, is, you know, how that's going to be disruptive to customer service. I mean, there's even like sales and other areas, but we're starting to see tools out of like, you know, Eleven Labs, for example, that is live streaming the AI response in real time. So essentially you can have a conversation and it's live kind of conversing back with you. What are you, how do you like looking at these technologies coming out? How do you see this space transforming areas like sales and customer service? Like are all customer service representatives going to lose their jobs? Like what does this look like in five years say? Yeah. Um, a lot of people are going to lose their job. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and they already have. Like that's that's kind of underreported, and it speaks to what I was saying earlier. Really, the the job, the the bloodletting of jobs started at the beginning of the pandemic, mm -hmm. and uh, it you know in terms of customer service, and yeah. a lot of that's not coming back. And um, I think that uh, the the framework I try to bring to your question is, and it just informs every everything I do is 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 what you're doing based in utility, like long-term utility mm -hmm. to a person or a business, or is what you're doing a gimmick that is not the best way over any sustained amount of time to solve this problem? So, you know, uh, there's a lot that can be debated around that. I mean, you've got AI systems in contact centers now that have so-called human in the loop. Mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, it's, it's all AI front end, but then a, a human can intervene at any point. Mm -hmm. Is that the ultimate destination? I don't know. Uh, doesn't really feel like it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, uh, for now it's a profitable business. Um, each, and again, this comes back to each industry. So there's, there's different things that go on with, with each industry, um, that speak to like each industry's got long standing pain points mm -hmm. that need to be addressed. Healthcare definitely has them. Hospitality definitely has them. And when you see conversational AI rise up to address these pain points, it, then the next thing you look at is, okay, what's the cost structure of that? Do the economics make sense? And if these boxes start to get checked, uh, it's not just that those are good businesses, but that's a that's a new sort of galaxy mm -hmm. of good businesses. And figuring out, okay, now if we're solving this problem, then the next domino to drop is here, 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 here. Where can we play? Mm -hmm. So um, that's uh, that's a, that's a long way around answering your question, but I I think. Uh, the biggest thing with any technological shift is, is all of this stuff a gimmick and, um, or does it have staying power? And, and that's, uh, something that we feel like we're, we're halfway decent at, uh, at thinking about. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I mean, I, I appreciate your, uh, straightforwardness with that because I do, you know, something I hear a lot from people in different industries. I was recently at a big AI conference. I, I swear like everyone had this phrase they would say which is like this religious phrase, which was like, uh, you won't be replaced by AI, you'll be replaced by someone who has AI. And it was like, 
I felt like it was this thing people were like clinging on to, like, don't worry, AI is not going to replace me. And, and like, while maybe that's true in some cases, I also feel like sometimes we have to be honest and say, like, a lot of what people do will be replaced by AI, like sales, customer service. Like, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but like, I've seen some really incredible startups in technology that automate that to a very high level, even with human in the loop. That means there's only one human needed now instead of 10, right? So I think sometimes it's important that we're kind of honest where that's going. A question for you in in this kind of space is like, what jobs or areas do you see as being very difficult or impossible to, to replicate with AI? I mean, originally, if you had have asked me five years ago, I would have said art, music, movies, AI will never do that. It can automate all the easy little calculation tasks. It feels like that's completely swift, uh, you know, flipped. It had a lot of problems with calculation tasks. I know you're getting better at that. Um, but it's like phenomenal at art and, you know, image generation and video is kind of the next frontier with that. In your in your mindset, like where are the, the next areas that, uh, you know, this is coming for and, and what are some areas that are a little bit more resilient? Uh, I think that each industry is going to have positions that... Um, are hard to touch. Like, for example, in law, uh, you think about like the, the legal realm, there is no need. Well, I should be careful. There's way less need to have some, to have a human being draw up a business life, you know, a, a business, a basic business, the articles of incorporation right. or, uh, wills and trusts or, you know, the, the zones where there's documents that have been around for a hundred years that have like minuscule deviation from how it, you know, amongst any of them, that's a real danger zone mm -hmm. because, you know, if, if there's not much, even on the edges, uh, to, to how often these things change, well, yeah, then, then let AI do that. But what's interesting about law is, you know, like with, um, publicly traded companies or other uh, other sorts of scenarios, you need a human there for liability purposes. So it's not that the human is going to like necessarily add a bunch, although in many cases they do. They're needed for a different reason. It's a regulatory concept where there's no shareholders of the company, there's no lawyers, there's no, no nobody who's going to be comfortable without a human being the final sign-off on key actions yeah. so it's a liability thing that's keeping somebody in place and the fact that ai can't accept that liability only a human can same thing at art where we saw you know one of these early court cases come back and say uh ai can ai created works cannot be intellectually like it cannot yeah. have protection from ip rights um so now even if an ai creates it it has to have a human name attached to it to be protected under United States law, there's you another one where uh, humans are going to be sticking around. So part of the answer to that question is regulation and policymaking is going to have a big, 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 big impact on humans and jobs that uh, are shielded. Mm -hmm. From a utility point of view, there's obviously going to be jobs where humans are better at doing things that AI is is at doing them, but it's 
I would say for where I sit, it's very unclear what those are going to be. Mm -hmm. uh, all just simply moving too fast. And uh, I would never feel comfortable advising. Like if, if I'm talking to a group of college, soon-to-be college graduates, I'd say, uh, or, or better yet, incoming college freshmen, what what should we study? I don't I don't know what you're asking me for. I, I would simply just stay on top of this AI thing as best you can. Yeah, it's so funny because like obviously I sit here, I make podcasts every single day. I see every single AI like project and startup that's coming out on a daily basis. And like when people ask, that's why I ask people because like I actually genuinely have a hard time telling you like this or that is not going to be touched by AI. Um, you know, it's interesting for a long time people were saying, well, it's the blue collar jobs. Like I, you know, I had some friends that are, we're all kind of in tech and startups together. And they're like, oh man, you know, forget this. All this AI is going to automate all my businesses. I'm just going to go become like an electrician or a plumber. Um, and it's interesting because on the one hand, you know, that that's like a concept that rings true. But at the same time, when you look at companies like, um, you know, Tesla creating humanoid robots, in my mind, an electrician and a plumber isn't even guaranteed because with a humanoid robot with an AI brain in it, maybe that's further down the line, five years, 10 years, I don't know. But like, I, it's very hard for me to think like everything, anything is truly, truly, I don't know, protected. Oh. And, and I think maybe the reason why it's so hard for us to envision th this and where it goes is because so many new industries and new things will be created that the entire human workforce may be shifted to a very large degree. Doesn't mean it's going to dissolve. I don't, I don't believe in that. I believe like humans are industrious and innovative and we'll find things to do. But I just feel like the whole the whole thing is shifting so fast and in such a big way that uh, there's a lot of jobs we don't even think about now that will exist. And that's going to be a, a big part of kind of where this all goes. I think the trades are a big target yeah. for AI. Uh, yeah, it'd be, if you look at the economics of those industries, uh, you know, you got electricians, you got plumbers, uh, those sorts of folks, uh, you know, make it a killing yeah yeah it, it's and you that's a golden opportunity uh for ai to swoop in and at minimum bring down that cost structure um and and, and change the way the, the pricing is done of those sorts of things also you know there's uh i mean stuff like that like i think about construction where there's injuries to to human beings and like there's insurance like that it's um i i think we're gonna have robots capable of building houses i mean i, I think they probably already exist now mm -hmm. i think they'll be like mainstream in the next two to three years and what does that as you said what does that mean uh like i said if i had the answers i'd be sitting on a beach somewhere <laughs> Yeah, no, it's so fascinating to to think about. I was just talking to a guy the other day, and uh, he was telling me, you know, he just got a a job as a as a pipe fitter, and uh, and he's like, yeah, like brand new, um, just started my apprenticeship year one a week ago, and like instantly my salary is like ninety ninety five thousand dollars a year, um, first year apprenticeship. He's like, you know, it's a five year apprenticeship. By the time I'm done, I'm, I'll be making a killing, and I'm like you know, amazing. But at the same time, like you said, those areas where there's very high costs and, and like high liabilities, if someone gets injured, it's going to make a lot of sense for that stuff to be automated by robots, even, you know, like delivery drivers, like, you know, everyone in the news is talking about how much UPS drivers are making. Well, we have like, you know, self-driving cars coming very soon. It's not far-fetched to think a little robot's going to drive out of the back of that thing and go drop a package off of your front door and zip back in and off it goes, you know? So 
it's going to be very interesting to see how a lot of this is um, how a lot of this is evolving. One thing I would ask you um, is, you know, based off of your vantage point, what is one piece of advice you feel like you could give um, to investors looking at AI startups? And then on the flip side, to entrepreneurs that are currently building in this space, uh, maybe a, a piece of advice for each um, that you think could, you know, in general, help the industry. That's, that's a good question. So, you know, for, um, for the entrepreneurs, you know, there's a, there's a tendency that we're seeing now with AI, anything AI related, um, even if it's a startup that doesn't involve AI, we're going to throw AI in there, right. Um, to make it sound better than maybe it is. Yeah. Um, there's a real lack of humility well, around uh, endeavors, corporate startup endeavors uh, to to deploy AI in meaningful ways. And uh, I think that entrepreneurs, it's not a technological piece of advice. It's a personality piece of advice. I think that um, entrepreneurs and startups would be well served to, to bring, bring their attitude down a peg and approach AI with humility. Because as quickly as we have arrived at this place where AI is what everybody wants to talk about, it's having real intangible impact with a lot of more real intangible impact to come. Um, I mean, we take a look at entrepreneurs. I mean, we just assume your technology is going to work. I mean, why are you, you're not going to get through the door to talk to us without it, uh, being at some sort of baseline level. We're looking at you and do you have what it takes to go the distance? And humility is part of that equation uh, all the time that, you know, certainly for what we look at and for on the investor side, uh, I think, you know, the corollary there is you want to see, um, you're not going to see entrepreneurs for the most part who are second, third, fourth, repeat serial investors with AI. Like that's a liar is what <laughs> that is. Um, so it all comes back to, you know, are there things in, in that management team or even the CEO's profile that suggest that they can deploy AI in some sort of disciplined niche way? Yeah, that's a great starting point. And then from there, uh, do they have the human skills to take it further into where it needs to go? Because we live, at, we live in a time today where, you know, a lot of the management approaches, say from the 70s and 80s, uh, or even you go back to like the 50s, uh, that's not going to work. So you've got to be able to uh, have some... Uh, evolved management skills that you bring to the table. And that's no matter how it is you're looking to play in this area. Uh, it's important to have that top of mind. Yeah, I think that's super, super key and super important. Bradley, thank you so much for coming on to the AI chat podcast today and, and sharing some of your perspectives and insights. You're working on some fascinating stuff. If people want to get in contact with you, uh, in contact with you, what's the best way to do that? What's the best way for, you know, startups to maybe contact your fund, um, people to learn more about what you're doing with the podcast and event space? How, how can people find that? 
Yeah, so Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y at pvcp.vc. So that's a lot of uh, a lot of letters. But uh, Project Voice Capital Partners, pvcp.vc. Uh, you can email me there. I welcome that. And then connecting with me on LinkedIn, I welcome that as well. Amazing. And I'll leave a link in the uh, description uh, for people to find uh, your website and whatnot. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. To the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to the AI Chat Podcast. Make sure to rate us wherever you get your podcasts and have an amazing rest of your day. If you are looking for an innovative and creative community of people using ChatGPT, you need to join our ChatGPT creators community. I'll drop a link in the description to this podcast. We'd love to see you there where we share tips and tricks of what is working in ChatGPT. It's a lot easier than a podcast as you can see screenshots, you can share and comment on things that are currently working. So if this sounds interesting to you, check out the link in the comment. We'd love to have you in the community. Thanks for joining me on the OpenAI podcast. It'd mean the world to me if you would rate this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in to the AI Hustle podcast. If you could do us a massive favor, we would really, really appreciate it if you could leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. This helps people find the podcast. It helps people know this is a good place to go. And we would really, really appreciate it as it helps us continue to bring on incredible guests and share incredible content for you to listen to.